0: Okay, can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS Relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order.
1: I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for ten dollars off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls, or use the promo code sobergirls at checkout. That's J U B I L A N C E. dot com slash sobergirls for ten dollars off. Plus, get a free two-day shipping on orders of $40 or more. Again, go to brewing.com slash sobergirls or use our code sobergirls for 15% off. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Two Sober Girls podcast. Michaela here with my fabulous co-host, Erin, and we've got a special treat for you in this upcoming episode, Joe Hudson. Joe and I go way back to our health coaching days, uh, gosh, almost a decade ago, and uh, this time we're diving into the subconscious mind and exploring its power and how addressing deep-rooted trauma leads to true freedom. Freedom. So Joe Hudson is a licensed clinical social worker. He's a psychotherapist, addiction expert, and founder of Habit Architects. Joe uses hypnosis and rapid resolution therapy to clear past limitations at the subconscious level, guiding clients towards a life of peace, purpose, and power through his habit architecture. So Aaron and I recently immersed ourselves in Joe's transformative NYC workshop. So it was incredible. And we talked all about it on episode 57. And in this episode, we unravel the mysteries of inner work and get a sneak peek into Joe's profound insights there. He's, oh my gosh, love speaking to him. We just had this beautiful conversation right before this. I'm like, we have to press record. Mm -hmm. And so if you caught Joe on episode 10, you go way back into our podcast um, history, you know, he brings a wealth of wisdom of addiction, healing and clearing trauma. So before we dive in, hit that subscribe button for weekly inspiration and follow us on Spotify. We have new episodes coming every Monday. I hope you enjoy this conversation and you can catch the behind the scenes action on Instagram at two sober girls podcast. Welcome Joe. So happy we get to do this.
2: I'm so excited to be here with you again. This is oh. great. I'm
1: Yeah, just going deeper. So for people who don't know, what is the subconscious mind? We're just going to dive right in. And how does it affect everything we do particularly with having cravings and addictions?
2: That's such a great question and anytime somebody asks that question, what is the subconscious mind? It's just it's how do you begin to even define something that really if we think about it by definition alone, it's subconscious. So if we're conscious of it, we clearly know that it's no longer subconscious. <laughs> so subconscious, we could just think about anything that's not conscious. And I've heard people describe subconscious as unconscious mind or even extending it out further to super conscious mind. I'm going to try to just use the term subconscious to define, to, to describe anything that we're not conscious of. We're not conscious of it. Most people are having an experience where they become aware of things at the conscious level. And because we're in a society that implies that we can just choose to change things at a conscious level, there is an attempt to say, well, if I don't like this thing that I'm experiencing at the conscious level, I'm just going to consciously choose to think, feel or act differently. That can be temporarily successful to varying degrees. But what most of the folks that I work with find is that, over time, it leads to a whole lot of frustration and a whole lot of self-blame and feeling of, why can't I just get it together? Why do I continue to think, feel, or do this? So what I invite folks to think about um, is that perhaps there's a way that we can look at this that provides a little bit more power. And if we think about subconscious mind, I, I would invite you both and, and the listeners today to just think, that subconscious mind is far more powerful than conscious mind. So if we start to think that thoughts and feelings are arising from subconscious mind, we become aware of them at the level of conscious mind, but that's not where they can be changed. Um, and I think that sets the stage for what we're going to talk about today, specifically relate as it relates to, to sobriety and cra- cravings for alcohol.
1: Yeah. So- yeah. We wanted to talk about like, just understanding what is going on when a craving hits. Can you explain that to our listeners on, I guess, on a subconscious mind and then how does it translate into a conscious mind? And I guess a feeling of like, why is this happening? Why can't I shake this when consciously we know this is not good for us. We know we want to change. So what is happening there?
2: Well, the craving here. Here's a way that I uh, again. I'm not saying this is the only way to view this. I do think it's a it's a simpler way to view it, and I think again it provides a little bit more power when we go to try to change subconscious mind. So let's think that the craving for alcohol all goes back to one word: survival.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Survival.
2: Your subconscious mind is not concerned with anything else other than your survival. So if we set the stage there and we think that anytime one's experiencing a craving for alcohol, that's definitely related to survival. Oh. Now, how do we, now, how do we untangle that? That's, that's, that's the big question here. So um, I, I think I'll describe it in a, in a way um, that'll make some sense. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use an, ex- an example of a zebra for, for right now. And explain what's going on in the mind of Zebra when she's perceiving a threat to survival. And then what's going on in the mind of someone we'll just call Sabrina when she's experiencing a threat to survival. Would that be all right? Perfect. All right. So let's imagine Zebra is out there. uh, She's grazing. She's on the safari. She's having a great day. Everything's going really well. Then suddenly she starts to sense that something's going on. And she senses that because some of the other zebras start to stir. And what's happening is that there is an approaching lion. Immediately for zebra, her parasympathetic nervous system, which is what some of you, some of your listeners might know, is the nervous system that is involved with rest and digestion. Parasympathetic nervous system shuts down. Sympathetic nervous system kicks in. Why? Why? Because it's not necessary for her to be digesting the grass that she's eating when lion is approaching. Sympathetic nervous system, we know, sends all sorts of signals that are involved. uh, Cortisol, adrenaline, and all those things are geared toward activating her to be able to escape from that threat. So what are some of the things she starts to experience? Her heart rate starts to increase respiratory system activity increases and it works beautifully. So what she does is she doesn't consciously think, Hmm, should I try to get rid of this? Um, should I try to get rid of this feeling? Should I, what should I do here? She's not consciously thinking of any of that immediately kicks into gear. She gets away. That works beautifully. Now let's think about Sabrina. Sabrina's an attorney. (laughs) So Sabrina's in a far different environment than zebra. Um, Yet Sabrina still has that same primitive mind we would think of as subconscious mind, primitive mind that's geared to detect threats and immediately respond to threats. Only problem is Sabrina is not likely to encounter any lions while she's there in the office. Could happen. Very, very unlikely. What she experiences, she gets an email in her inbox and she checks that email and the email is from one of the partners that says, um, Sabrina, when are you going to have that legal briefing completed? Now, it's not the data of that email that immediately starts to cause that feeling of tightness in her chest or kind of that pit in her stomach. It's the way her mind, her subconscious mind interprets that data. What immediately starts to happen is she perceives that in some way as a threat her body kicks into gear. She no longer is digesting the lunch that she just ate an hour ago. She starts to experience the heart rate increase, the respiratory system increase. She might even say, I feel like I'm having a panic attack. Oh, what? what does uh, what does Barbara, the, the partner, what is she? What does she think that I'm not doing this fast enough? Oh, oh, should I have had that done yesterday? She's going through all of this and she experiences something that zebra doesn't experience. She experiences racing thoughts. Racing thoughts. So now she's got three big things that are going on here, and they're all not useful. Now, when she's experiencing all this, she knows that she doesn't need to run from a lion. She knows that she doesn't need to fight something off in order to survive. So, is this reaction viewed as useful or non useful to Sabrina?
1: What not do you all think? not, not, useful. Useful. No, yeah. it's not it's useful not helping to get to that goal that she needs to do
2: not Mm-mm. useful right. at all so she's there with a conscious awareness that she's experiencing something that is not useful it's uncomfortable and she wants to make it stop only problem is she can't make it stop she can't make it stop. In fact, the rest of the afternoon, the racing thoughts continue. The heart rate continues. Somebody calls her up and says, "Hey, uh, uh, do you want to go out for uh, you know uh, uh, dinner tonight?" She says, "No, I can't think about anything else. I've got this this email. I've got to respond to Barbara, and and I don't know what I'm going to do." You experience enough of that. Sabrina experiences enough of that, and she finally one day finds a way to make that unuseful response go away. And you know what she finds? Alcohol. She finds alcohol.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And
2: alcohol immediately causes that unnecessary response to turn off. Oh, wow. Now her heart rate's not going so fast. Now she's not experiencing quite as many racing thoughts. Now she's not experiencing all of that. So the alcohol is the solution to the unnecessary reaction.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm going to say okay. something, and I'll invite you all to think about alcohol in this way. Again, I'm not saying this is the truth; it's one way you could look at it. Alcohol is a temporary solution for an unnecessary reaction to an imaginary problem.
0: Mm. Yes.
2: Alcohol is a temporary yes. solution for an unnecessary reaction to an imaginary problem, and I'll just Question. stop there
1: now. Because obviously there are some people who are alcoholics. There's many people who are not right. And so where, I guess there's two layers to this. When does the subconscious mind, I guess, develop where let's say Sabrina looks at this as a threat and then somebody else, let's say Jackie will get the same email and she's like, Oh, no big deal like, and and she's, she's fine. And obviously she's, she hasn't done the project, but she still has to do it, but she's not getting that reaction. What is the difference between these two subconscious minds? Genetics.
2: Incredible question. That's it's it. That is the big question. Why, why does one person have a reaction? So, so what you're, what you're saying there is beautiful because it takes away the idea and the, uh, the illusion That many, many of us have had for a long time that data causes reactions (laughs) because if data causes reactions and I'm referring to the events of life as data, I'm referring to to, to it all as data um, because that's what it is to subconscious mind. If data caused reactions, then everyone would have the exact same reaction. So, yeah. what causes the variability in the reaction? And it has everything to do with early childhood experiences. It has everything to do, really, with with two things um, that nobody has yet been able to disentangle. Uh, scientists have been studying this for for a long time. How do you disentangle genetics and environment? And nobody's been able to do that. But both of those things we could think are having a profound impact on the way Sabrina's mind.
0: Is processing
2: mm-hmm. that data versus Jackie. So let's imagine that what happened with Sabrina is when she's uh, four years old, um, she, um, uh, uh, well, she's up playing in her room and, um, she's, uh, what, what is she playing with in a room? You all help me, help me with this
0: blocks. Story. She's playing with blocks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Aaron says, Barbie's <laughs> did you say Barbie Aaron?
0: Yeah, I did. That's what I was playing with. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so relating to Sabrina. I can't wait to jump in here because I'm like, I am Sabrina. <sighs> oh. So what
2: what what so we'll just say that Jackie's playing with Barbies on blocks. She's got but she's having a great time. She's playing and um, her mom uh, uh, had given her a task earlier in the day to clean the room oh. and her mom yells up to the room and says uh, Jackie or wait, we're talking about Sabrina. Yeah. Um, S- S- Sabrina, you've got 15 minutes before that room better be clean or you're not getting dinner tonight. Sabrina thinks I'm having so much fun. Let me just continue playing. And you all see where this is going. 15 minutes goes by and in walks Sabrina's mom. She doesn't even knock. Can you imagine? She doesn't even bother to knock. She just barges right in and says, that's it. You didn't have this room cleaned, no dinner for you. Immediately, Sabrina interprets that as a threat to survival.
0: Right.
2: Because now, the person that's most important in her life, the one who brings her the food. Sabrina's thinking of mom as the food bringer in that moment. Uh, The food bringer is upset with her. She's not going to get dinner. And so then you fast forward all those years later, she's getting that email. Subconscious mind is reading that email in light of the threat to survival. And from that day, from, from that day forward, um, we could look at thousands of other examples that reinforce that reaction of I've got to, I got to have this done. I've got to have this done before the deadline. I've got to, it's got to be perfect or else I might not get dinner.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I'm so, there's so many things here that, that was so fantastic the way you explained that. I am Sabrina. You know, as a recovering alcoholic, I'm like, yes, and you know, we talk about this a lot in the rooms that alcohol is not my problem. Like, it it's a substance. It's not my problem. It is a solution that worked really well, actually, for me for a long time because I was that. I thought that there was a lion coming, but not so much to kill me. But I felt my issue was I was the protector of everyone. I came. I am from a large family, and once I had children. This anxiety, the cortisol, the the boom in my brain of oh, everyone's under my care, and it is my job to keep everyone alive. That's the message that runs to this day. And I can mm. catch myself and I actually internally feel it first. Like I feel this physically, like when I'm in a high stress situation with my children, with anyone's children, with any human. Oh, I am this. I'm like, there's a threat. Where is it? I will will kill that threat first before anyone could. And it's not real. And my body goes like this. My body, I'm clenching. Like everything starts to rise. And then when I put alcohol in, it calms. And then it was actually enjoyable to be around because, so you put two moms together with their babies. I'm the one. Oh, did you, do you need socks? Is the bottle warm? What, What the toys is the temperature. Okay. Do you need anything? I can't. I don't sit down. I couldn't sit. Do I need, let me clean this up. What do I want to order? It's annoying. Give me a couple glasses of wine. I'm actually nice to hang out with because I can relax. I can enjoy, but it was up here. And I, I always too came to understand that genetically. I, I do believe I am an alcoholic. I have genetics that would back this. But the environment, so it was like, I was born, you know, with the gun, the environment loaded it, you know, so it's like, I had two things come together perfectly so that manifested into this addiction. And, you know, we all know life gets more stressful and harder as we age and as we expand. So what wasn't dealt with as a four-year-old playing with Barbies and these perceived threats to my survival and to the survival of those I love just increased as I became a mom, as I, you know, expanded in this world. And that's where I found, I would say, oh, give me a couple glasses of wine. I can do anything. But if I didn't, my stomach was in knots. And that's when I started drinking at lunch. And then it was kind of like this slow, just medicating these perceived threats to the survival of really my loved ones. Cause I, and I, I internalized it as I was okay but how am I going to keep you okay and that was so overwhelming to me that it brought me to my knees in addiction so thank you for explaining that and um and I you know we were talking offline before too I had such a hard time because my subconscious mind was so loud and tormented me that even though I could sit and look at it rationally and say this is really bad for me. This is a poison. This is hurting me. This is now making issues where I'm not showing up the way I want to. I can't stop. Why can't I effing stop? I Sure, I can do the black and white all day long. But guess what? Did it change? Came noon. I'm at lunch. I'm okay. We have a couple glasses of wine. Okay. I, boom. I couldn't stop. So it doesn't matter. Like I knew all the facts. I could put it into two bins. That perceived threat, and that that physical reaction was so powerful. And it still is. I have to work every day. and it it's, you know, so just so much in this that I wanted to jump in and just say that. Thank you for explaining it in a way that made me feel so much better about my addiction.
2: Well, you, you, you gave that, that example you gave was so perfect because it's real life. And there might be other mothers that are out there that are hearing this, that are relating exactly to what you said. Could I suggest something, um, one, one thing that, um, you told me if this sounds plausible, because you said something, you said, I felt like I was okay, but it was, it was others mm-hmm. that might be in potential danger. Yeah. And, and the way that I think about it is that from a survival standpoint, you as a mother, absolutely equate your survival with the survival of your offspring. So really the two become one. Yeah. So, so if we think about mama zebra, if mama zebra's out there, baby zebra's right, right next to her and a bird comes along and starts pecking on baby zebra, mama zebra says, "Uh, uh-uh, no way. And immediately takes action because the two now the survival, is is interconnected. That's
0: so true. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Good. Ah oh, my goodness. So deep. <laughs> so it's so deep. And it's then it's, you know, understanding this. And I guess that's where we're gonna go to today is like, well, what do we do now with all this knowledge? Like we have knowledge avails us nothing. Like we again, like we have it. How can we go from here to medicating? To freedom and to what you are you do all the time with your clients, like how walk us through that next step, I guess. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Okay, Michaela, I am fully frustrated with my kids whom I love more than life itself. However, as their mom, I feel like an absolute failure and I can't seem to find the time to get us all organized and even have meaningful conversations. I feel like everyone is so busy. I'm so overwhelmed, so drained. Help me.
1: Yes, get that off your chest. As the busy mom, I get it. I have found that when I am stressed and feeling stuck, the best thing to do is ask for help perhaps book a therapy session therapy is for everyone every human desiring to feel better live better and learn how to solve life's most pressing problems and concerns in real time if you are thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online and very convenient all you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch therapists anytime for no additional charge
0: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com SoberGirls today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash SoberGirls.
2: I'd be happy to. Well, here's the first way that most uh, approach and 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 these ways can be very effective. Um, you all might've had experience as a person in recovery myself, I've had experience with these as well. The first things that we're taught are what are referred to as coping skills. How do we cope with the intense feeling? So let's just say if if uh, Sabrina says, you know what? What my trigger? Another word that's that's used uh, in recovery often. If my trigger is this intense anxiety, how do I cope with the anxiety? And one of her coping strategies might be to uh, to journal or to call a friend or to do some deep breathing. Those are fantastic ways of coping. What often gets missed is that there's a kind of a, there's kind of a relationship between the trigger um, and the coping strategy as kind of a war that's going on. So it's, I need to journal to, Mm -hmm. to fend off this really mean, dangerous anxiety that I'm experiencing. Now, the only problem with that is subconscious mind is offering the anxiety with the best of intentions. It's just a data misread. Subconscious mind is thinking, I've got to give Sabrina this anxiety so that she survives. So if Sabrina begins interpreting the anxiety as a threat, what do you think her subconscious mind is going to do in response to that interpretation? It's gonna give her more of it. Yeah. It's gonna say, uh oh, looks like Sabrina's in trouble. She's doing a lot of journaling. She's trying to, she's really trying to fight this thing off. And and subconscious mind says, we we gotta give her some more of it because it seems
1: like she's in danger.
0: Wow. I never thought of it that way.
1: So So I guess step- if you're not going into let's say journaling or even meditating or whatever you're doing, if you're not going into it with, I guess, I wouldn't even say the right intention, just like the the right, what would you say? Like, I mean, because I know journaling and all of those things are highly beneficial. So what is the difference of going into it to, I guess, mask the yeah. anxiety yeah. or trick the anxiety or trick the subconscious mind? So what you're saying is we need to go way deeper and and how does, how does one begin? Is it a daily practice? Is it, is it, do we have to just be aware like, Oh my gosh, like this is where it's coming from. And do we have to go back? Like, Oh my gosh, this, this stemmed from when I was five years old and this happened to me. How how does all that work?
2: So, so the, the, again, great. You're, you're going to get tired of me saying great question.
1: Huh? <laughs> um,
2: it's such a good question um, because that, that really is the key to this is, is, and I'll I'll give it to you in, in uh, a way that I think is going to stick. So viewing the anxiety as an ally, not an adversary.
1: Hmm. And so I think I got with- that from your workshop. And one of the biggest takeaways was because we ended up working together. Uh, I volunteered, if you haven't heard the uh, episode 57, I volunteered to go up and we took a data a, and a situation in my life and a way that I perceived it. We, mm-hmm. we sort of, we, we, we changed it. So the way that I perceived it, it was like, it was like a threat and we were able to go back into that time and sort of like mismatch that data. So when I think about that said event, I feel different about it. And so let's say something comes up to next week or tomorrow and it, it's not going to affect me the same way if I'm thinking about that situation subconsciously, right? Yeah. yeah, You're not going to
2: have the unnecessary reaction. All that you had been experiencing was just an unnecessary reaction um, to some data and it was just being misread.
1: So the anxiety is an unnecessary reaction then.
2: It's an unnecessary, it's an ally that's unnecessary in that moment. Right. It's unnecessary in that moment. So if Sabrina is, let's, let's go back to to the office where Sabrina checks the email. She sees it. She says, oh. What am I going to do to get rid of this anxiety? Oh, this is terrible. I know what I'm I'm going to do. So she's seeing anxiety as a threat and for understandable reasons, because it's uncomfortable as you know what, you know, so it's uncomfortable. Now it's the threat. And what that can sometimes do is cause a reinforcement. And this is how something like a panic attack happens is it's now the anxiety comes up and somebody's experiencing the anxiety and now the anxiety becomes a threat. And subconscious mind says, oh, looks like she needs some more energy right now. No, no, no. (laughs) And that just, it causes it to escalate. So if Sabrina looks at the anxiety and says, ah, this is an ally. This is my subconscious mind trying to protect me. That shifts her mindset as she goes into journaling. Now she can journal and maybe she wants to journal about how she's grateful to her subconscious mind for its well-intentioned attempt to try to keep her safe. And that looks a whole lot different than why can't I make this anxiety stop? Why is my body doing this to me? I hate myself. Who can I call to tell?
1: (laughs) Okay. So tying in the subconscious mind within your coping strategies, just, I guess, understanding why certain feelings get triggered and almost like thanking them for happening so, almost like facing them because we're we usually want to run away from them, right? So they say, face your like, face your fears." Uh, you know, another thing that comes to my mind is I talk a lot about feelings, and they say the the I guess the medicine to make the feelings go away is to actually feel it. Like, how does that tie in with the subconscious mind? Because I think a lot of people are afraid to feel all of the feelings I feel like we, you know, in my case, I was drinking on and off for 20 years, which is a really long time. And that's a really long time not to feel a lot of feelings. I mean, the upside is like, yeah, you're feeling like crap, but it's like, you're not at least feeling the feelings that you didn't want to feel. You're feeling nauseous. You're feeling tired. You're feeling all of these other things, shame, but you're not letting your body feel all of the other things. Right. So like those, those deeper things that perhaps we were drinking over, how do we face those feelings and love all of us, all parts of us, and then, but still be able to have that freedom and and love ourselves.
2: Well, you face them only long enough to determine if they're useful or not useful.
0: Love that answer.
2: If they're not useful, then you want to, as soon as possible, find out a way to get those cleared. And it's not a matter of adversary. It's just a matter of how can I, you know, let, let me uh, use the metaphor of a car here. If you're driving a car, let's say you're uh, driving a Mercedes E-Class down the road, super smooth ride, everything's going really, really well. And then uh, over time, you start to notice that, um, well, you notice that the, uh, the 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 check engine light comes on on the car. And you look at that and you say, you know what? I don't like the way that looks. It's orange. Orange isn't my favorite color. You know what I'm going to do? I've got some electrical tape here. Let me just cover that thing up. Ah, problem solved. Look at that. Look at how beautiful my dash uh, looks. Aaron gets in the car with you and Aaron says, why do you have electrical tape over your dash? And Michaela, you tell her, because I didn't like that damn check engine light, ugly orange check engine light. (laughs) And Aaron says, well, what if it's trying to tell you something important
0: Mm. and you
2: say, Oh, okay. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to face it now. And so you rip the electrical tape off and then you're looking and you're saying, look, I'm facing this. I don't like this orange check engine light and I'm going to face it. And Aaron says, well, that's really good. I'm proud of you. But what if you need to just check the message out. And if it's something that needs to be taken care of, you take care of it. If not, you want to get a trained mechanic to clear that check engine light. And then you get that thing cleared and it's taken care of. So if somebody's feeling a feeling, hey, great, feel it, recognize it, feel it, don't run away from it, but don't sit in it. Because if okay. you're sitting, in it, it's, it's essentially like you're just staring at the check engine light saying, hey, don't bother me. I'm going to see how long I can stare at this check engine light. I got a record going.
0: That's so brilliant. And something that's coming to mind is when we clear it, often we need to go to a professional and it could be uh, in this case a, a mechanic, but you know, it could be two sober girls. It could be Joe. It could be, Oh, it could be all different people in various fields that are ready to help you. It's just going saying, Hey, this just popped up for me. Can you help me? And I think that's, That is it. That's the difference. Another thought that came to mind as you were beautifully explaining this what I see so often in the rooms, and Michaela and I see it so often, just the work we're doing is that there's a transfer of addictions because we're not clearing. So it's like that light's on. I'm going to use something else to cover it up. Oh, that tape didn't freaking work. I'm going to use something else. And so I see it's like whack-a-mole where I'm like, like, I don't want to curse, but I'm like, oh my God, they're just, there's like this addiction, that addiction. It's like, boom, boom, boom. They might be lesser. They might be more acceptable. It's not alcohol, but they're still in an addictive state. They are not free because they haven't cleared it. And they haven't learned that it's okay to like feel this, face it, get help to clear it but we're just masking and like now we're going to have different issues because it's, it is wild. It's wild. What we see. And, but I've been there too, because I, when my first coping mechanism before alcohol was running and, Oh my God, it worked great until I couldn't run enough because I was in so much pain because I couldn't get to that thing. So then people would have to tell me to stop running and I wanted to just run because I was running away from that thing. And I'm like, I'm not facing shit. I'm just trying to get that feeling to go away. But there wasn't enough miles in my body to make that thing, that discomfort, that pain go away because I was not facing it. So this is huge. And I'm so happy we're bringing this to light. We can clear this, everyone. But you have to go and get help. And that looks different for everybody, but the the swapping of addictions and just facing it, but not doing the work. Good luck. You're torturing yourself. I I know from experience, believe me. Oh my gosh. I love it. Oh, I know. I know. know. I'm just (laughs) like, oh my God. It's like, oh, it's, it's incredible. When I think we don't talk this way and again, not, I love AI and it, it was the, my starting point. It saved my life, but going deeper into this work and clearing and living a life of freedom of not having other addictions at play is something that we don't talk a lot about. Um, we really stick to the literature and the spiritual context and it's beautiful and that's my spiritual solution. So this for me It's just like, I feel like I can understand myself so much more from this conversation and other people that I'm here to help. Um, And again, Michaela and I talk about this a lot. You have to do the work though, right? Like it's, it's laid out and the work is hard and glorious at the same time.
1: It is, it it is. is. And it's different at every season of your life. Yeah. It's different every year. And it's, but the work I've realized because I've been, I mean, Joe and I used to coach each other back in the day. I mean, the work just never ends. I will tell you guys, when you commit to living the best life that you can possibly have and to be, you know, a leader in your life and to be conscious and be responsible for yourself of your feelings, of your thoughts and but also have compassion for yourself, for your past, without judgment. I mean, there's a lot going on. The work never ends. I started my work when I was, I don't know, 22, 23. It's it's, it's ongoing and it's not comfortable at, at times. And I think this is why a lot of people shy away from it because they think like, oh, if I do the work, I'm supposed to feel amazing all of the time. That is not the case. There are many days Many days, I don't feel good, but I know that is temporary and I have solutions and I have the people I can talk to and I have the knowing that something greater is coming from this because a transformation is not comfortable. You think becoming a butterfly is like, oh, you know, it's, it's messy, it's ugly at times, it's dark, but we have to keep going. And we have to have that faith and at the same time, have the love, deep love for ourselves. It's huge.
2: Deep love for ourselves. And that, that, that phrase maps on so well to the, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a a counter or the other side of the coin of that phrase. Um, I hate myself, which is something that, that, uh, uh, well, I don't know if, all of your listeners have had this experience. I know I personally have had that experience. I think most humans have at some point thought, you know what? I hate myself for doing that or why can't there? So there's, there's the relationship with, and, and if we break that down, I, we could think of as conscious mind and self, we could think of as subconscious mind Oh, mm-hmm. because we've got, we've got a conscious awareness. I hate myself. Why do I hate myself? Because it seems like I'm sabotaging everything that I conscious mind wants. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to have this. I hate myself for not doing that. So if the, if that approach is once again, it's viewing subconscious mind as kind of an adversary. And if we flip that to the phrase that you just mentioned, I love myself. What I'm really loving is I'm loving my subconscious mind. And it's well-intentioned attempts. And the more I develop that relationship with my subconscious mind, I can then begin to communicate with it in a language that it understands. In a language that it understands is not conscious mind. Hey, do better. Unconscious, subconscious mind saying, what are you talking about? No, no, no. This is what we've done for years. This is what we're going to keep doing. So developing that relationship with subconscious mind, Um, And the first step is recognizing that anything that is not seen as a useful feeling actually is a well-intentioned attempt to protect.
1: So even triggers, I mean, we just, we're we're in deep in the holidays, hanging out with family. How does one take that lesson into like family events and parties and just like lots of triggers, especially because everyone is drinking and. Sometimes being sloppy and things are being said. How does one protect themselves and their, and, and I guess begin to work, start recognizing and also working on their subconscious beliefs and changing them like all at the same time? Cause I think like doing all of this, it's like, you're like a ninja. It's not just like, Oh, I'm just going to sit five minutes on my meditation chair and that's going to like solve my day. Like it's an ongoing thing it truly is an ongoing thing, but like not to scare anybody, like it, it can feel like a smooth ride. Like I'm at the point where I recognize things. I, I still sometimes get ruffled or whatever. And then it's just like, it passes because I know it's not serving me and I know how I want to feel, you know? So it's like a constant redirection because there's a lot of I guess I would assume things in our subconscious mind that have so many layers that just sort of need to get cleaned up and yeah. redirected, right?
2: Yeah. So the the immediate thing, so somebody's in a situation where they're let's say you gave the example of with a, with with a family and maybe there's things being said that are causing feelings. So if we all are in those situations in the coming weeks the first thing that we can do is we can recognize that the feeling is a well-intentioned attempt to protect. And then we ask, is there a useful action, useful action, not an automatic reaction that would be useful that I could take right now? Maybe it's to remove oneself from the situation. Um, Often the automatic reaction after the feeling, the feelings coming from subconscious mind, the automatic reaction is to interject, to say something, to engage. Let's just say it's a or
1: to get offended, even. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So the moment you, you're we're noticing that feeling, we can we can stop and first just thank subconscious mind. And this might be a little out of the ordinary. But in the effort of trying to develop a relationship with subconscious mind, I am, I advise clients to to come up with a name for subconscious mind because you want to start communicating with it like it's your best friend.
1: You know, this is so interesting. There was um I was listening to Matt Kahn on YouTube. He's I mean, his teachings are just so beautiful. And one thing he said was when somebody triggers you. The, the simple tool, like, and, and I've used this so many times, it's, it's, it says, thank you for helping me. Mm-hmm. And having you just express that it's not talking to the person. I mean, you can talk to the person in your mind, right? Say, thank you for helping me. But you can be saying, thank you for helping me to your subconscious mind. Thank you for bringing this up. And then, like you said, reevaluate. Is this a helpful feeling? Or is this a helpful thought? Or what is the next helpful step after this? And it's so wild because with this certain situation that I use this for over over and over and over and over and over again, where in the past I would get either offended or triggered or hurt, or I would go in my shell for three days or whatever. I was able to just like, in my mind, like, thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. And it's like by magic, the other person, um, it just like kind of dissolved the situation in my, in my head. It wasn't a physical thing. It was in my head.
2: Yeah. That it well, dissolved. Yeah. And that can be useful if it's something, if it's a situation, I mean, I go back to, again to, to, to the zebra, if she's out there on the safari and, and there's a bird that's pecking at her baby's head, mm. if she is, if she's telling that bird, thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. I see. No, no. What she might actually need to do is swat and get that bird away and say, you know, so sometimes there's an action that's needed to remove one from an unuseful well, situation.
1: Yeah, I do mean that. It's like, you can say, thank you for helping me for whoop, that awareness and be able to yeah. step away from the situation. So I'm not saying you have to just be in it, but it just gives you that awareness of like, Oh, there's something there.
0: That's, that's and it's right. not
1: useful right. and I can just remove myself. So, yeah,
2: that's, that's right. And then, the, and then that, 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 that relationship with your subconscious mind, thank you mm-hmm. for this, whatever that feeling is. If it's anger, if it's anxiety, um, thank you. Thank you. And then recognizing if it's unnecessary, thank you for this unnecessary. One of my mentors, the founder of rapid resolution therapy, Dr. John um, uh, Connolly offers this as a, as an expression. Um, Thank you for this unnecessary strength. Thank you for this unnecessary strength because anxiety is always strength. It might feel like a weakness, but it is power. I mean, it would be really useful if you needed to run a hundred yard dash, or if you needed to lift a car off of a, a small child Mm-hmm. Th- that is pure strength. So when you're experiencing anger, or anxiety, thank you for this unnecessary strength.
1: Yeah. And I love how you said, give your subconscious a name, but I have a question. So like, obviously there's um there's a subconscious part of us that gives us those unwanted feelings, but then I'm sure there's a subconscious part of us that gives us that takes care of us and makes us feel good. So would you give them two different names or is it the same name? No, no. <laughs> <The> exactly. <laughs> the exact same name. Okay. Uh,
2: because then, then, because if you, if you, if you separate the name, then it get, kind of gets one, one gets labeled as the bad girl, the other is yeah. a good girl. And yeah. so it's like anything that I'm not liking. It's like, Oh, you know, uh, Claire, you know, you're being bad. Oh, <laughs> sorry, great.
1: Claire. Like, <laughs> it's
2: the yeah. same subconscious mind. All that's happening is, is, when there's something that's unwanted and it's unuseful, it's just a training opportunity. See, just like you would with your daughter, if 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 she's doing something or bringing you something that's not useful, it's just a training opportunity to say, oh, no, no, no. Here's, here's what we do here. It's a nice little training opportunity. It's not an opportunity to say, hey, you know, get out of this house. I don't want to ever see you again. And that's often the relationship that, people have with their subconscious mind is I can't believe you would continue to do this to me, I, you know, stop doing this to me. No, it's just a training opportunity to say, ah, thank you for that unnecessary tool. See, I can, can I tell you a quick story about you and, and uh, Aaron Michaela?
1: Yeah, please.
2: I think we'll, we'll really bring this, um, uh, hammer this point home. Pun intended, you'll see in a minute. So let's just say, Michaela, that you wanted to, um, well, no, I'll, I'll flip the story. Aaron, you're wanting to wallpaper a room in your house. No, you're saying absolutely not.
0: Oh, that could be scary, but let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: So you're going to wallpaper one of the rooms, in, let's just say your living room, and you invite Michaela. You say, Michaela, I can really use some help with this job. Michaela, being the good friend that she is, says, Absolutely. What time do you want me there? You say, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. comes, knock at the door right on time. Michaela's there. You happen to notice, though, that she's holding a hammer in her hand. She's just holding this big hammer and you think it's kind of odd, but Hey, after all, she showed up on time. She's eager to help. Uh, you say, come on in, let's, let's get started. You start this wallpaper job. Michaela's standing right next to you. She's just, she's just so eager to help and you you get the wallpaper positioned and now you're just needing some help applying and, and applying some pressure to the wallpaper to make sure that it adheres to the wall and you say, Michaela, can you give me a hand? Can you help? And before you know it, Michaela starts hitting the wall with the (laughs) hammer. I mean, just hitting the wall with the hammer and Oh, Whoa, 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 Whoa. And you say Michaela, no, 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 no. I just need help with this. And Michaela says, Oh, help. I know what'll help. And she starts hitting the wall with a hammer again. You say, Whoa, Whoa, Michaela, wait, I just need for you to help me with this. And she goes to raise the hammer one more time. And you realize that you're stuck in a really unuseful cycle. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is you want to figure out how can I communicate to Michaela so that she actually understands that tool isn't useful for this job. See, what you don't know is that when Michaela was young, she did help somebody with a, with a job around the house. And the right tool for the job was that hammer. That hammer worked perfectly. It's just not the right tool for the wallpapering job that you need. So the last thing you want to say to Michaela is, Michaela, you're an idiot. You're a terrible friend. Get out of my house. No, you want to say, thanks for your well-intentioned attempt <laughs> to... And see, the other the other twist of this is, let's just say that Michaela only spoke Portuguese. So you're trying to communicate in English to Michaela. Michaela only understands one word help. Oh, help. I know what'll help.
0: Mm.
2: So this is this relationship. And of course, in this story, you can clearly see Michaela's subconscious mind, your conscious mind and well-intentioned attempt. We just want to train Michaela. What's useful in that moment.
1: Okay. We never
2: do Michaela.
1: We have to train our subconscious mind, give it a name, I mean, use it as your ally, right? Teach it, work with it. Don't try to shame it. That never helps. So as a uh, psychotherapist and an addiction expert, like what key message or piece of wisdom do you want to give to our listeners to take away from this conversation um, in regards to sobriety and just living their best life? I mean, that is just what we want.
2: Yeah. Yeah so it it is what we've been talking about it's it's first understand what's going on at a physical and psychological level understand that there are reasons why your subconscious mind is interpreting data in a way where it's offering that type of reaction that's not useful that can only be well seemingly can only be blunted with this hammer of alcohol <laughs> And when we recognize that it's well-intentioned and we start developing that relationship, we can say thank you. And then we can start to understand. And, and in future discussions, I, I think we can, we can talk about uh, self-hypnosis as one of these tools. I think this is something that um, we're going to be doing in, a, in an upcoming uh, uh, workshop. It really, how do we start communicating? The first step, though, to communicating with subconscious mind is see it as an ally, not an adversary begin developing that relationship.
1: I love that. And I think if we look at it as a fun journey of truly getting to know ourselves and then truly being able to mold ourselves into, because like you said, there are things like, let's say I'll use this as an example, like we can go on Pinterest and like do a vision board, right? So that's conscious. But if we don't feel worthy enough, and if we don't feel you know, list whatever feelings you're feeling like you might be feeling um to achieve those things, it might be really frustrating to just look at that board and be like, oh, it's pretty, but I, I that's that's never gonna happen for me, right? So that's that disconnect. And we have to be willing to take a look at that, oh, that's not for me, and be like, no, why do I want that? Or just begin to get to know yourself on that level and Get yourself to a place of thinking of you are worthy and because you are, you are here. And if you have a desire and if you, there's something that is calling you, it is your God given gift to unpack. But it's like, we have to put in the work to be able to align ourselves with that, to be able to believe that we are worthy. And I think that is the difference between a lot of people of being able to achieve What they want. And this is whether it's sobriety or whether it's a career, whether it's anything in life. And then those people who are well intentioned and want those things and want those things for good, but just aren't able to get themselves there. And I think that is the big difference. And I think anybody can get there. If you woke up and you're alive and you are able to understand this conversation and You don't have to understand every single element of this, but begin to get curious and get curious about yourself and start to explore those deeper realms within you for the rest of your life, this is, it's not like, you know, a one week kind of thing. That's why I feel like, oh my gosh, people go into retreats for a week and then they come back and it's like the same shit, you know, they're coming back to the same thing. It's like, it needs to be integrated into your daily life, into that daily consciousness, into that daily awareness, like looking around and just, you know, if you're not feeling your best, check in with that. Don't try to mask it. Like we first have to take care of ourselves to be able to live the life that we want.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and taking care of yourself in this, I think um will will kind of sum up, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say in a lot of, a lot of this discussion is the coping skills, the coping strategies can be very useful in the moment. We do want to understand what's causing the unnecessary reaction, because if I've got to just continue to pile on coping skills to mm-hmm. some, see, I can, we could teach Aaron how to cope with you hitting the, 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 the wall with yeah. the hammer and she could get really good at coping and, and, uh, doing, you know, exercise
1: regulating. That's right. right.
2: That's right. right. But what, if we could, if we could get Aaron to, to, to know how to communicate to you in a language that you understand and you stop hitting the wall with that hammer, then her job's much easier. Your job's much easier. And you actually get the work done.
1: I love it. And I think the language is the language of love and it's not the language of hate. So she wouldn't be able to, I mean, she would be able to communicate like, don't do it that way. Do it. Right. And that would not really help that subconscious mind. It's like, we have to be able to communicate it in a loving, but efficient way. Right.
2: That's that's right. And that yeah. opens the door to be able to clear the yeah. actual old data that was causing the unnecessary reaction to begin with, because if all we're doing, you know, if all I'm doing is teaching people how to cope with the unnecessary thing, and we're not actually getting to the root of it, we want to figure out what is it that caused Sabrina to be having that kind of a reaction in the first place to that email. And if we can cause a clearing of that old data from when she was four or five, six whatever on, then maybe she experiences less of that unnecessary reaction when yes. she gets emails and then exactly. she doesn't have to work so hard at coping with an unused and product. she could
1: enjoy her job and she could enjoy her life and and her social life and all of that. Like that is when life just becomes so much more joyful and easier. And it's, I know it's hard to understand for many people who do deal with anxiety and all of those feelings. Right. But um you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. there is a solution. Um And so, Oh my goodness. We, we did an hour of this. This was like, I can talk about this, these sort of things for hours and hours and hours. Um, it's so fascinating. So thank you for explaining it in this way. I think it's really easy to understand and just begin that journey for ourselves. And we want to invite you to, uh, Joe and I, and Aaron, we're doing a workshop next week, um, on December. Well, it's, this is airing. So next week, so it's going to be, um, sorry, December 7th at 11 AM. And it's going to be a workshop where now we have this knowledge. Now we're going to put it to work and we're going to do some self hypnosis and some other fun things, uh, within that workshop. It's going to be about an hour long. And so we want to invite you, um, when this is, if you are part of our sober girls mastermind. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to have you, uh, join us and be, able to begin your healing journey and be able to, again, like, I guess, continue adding on to your sobriety toolbox. There are so many different things and there are so many different tools, but we need to use the right tools for the right situations.
2: Yeah. Can I say a few uh, quick things about what we're going to do in that yes, workshop? Please <laughs> yes. I'm excited about this. Um, and looking forward to meeting those uh, that are that are part of your mastermind group that are going to be there. So we're going to take this a little deeper in that workshop. And I'm going to introduce you to a concept called subconscious sobriety, subconscious sobriety. It really is is continuing some of this discussion today of identifying what is the unnecessary reaction that's being caused by your subconscious mind, sometimes referred to as the trigger. So anyone who's in that workshop, it's my intention that they're going to, they're going to, they're going to walk away with a clear understanding of what is that unnecessary reaction. And then I'm going to work with at least one, possibly a couple uh, of, of participants in the workshop to identify what might be causing the unnecessary reaction. So remember in the case of Sabrina, it was that thing that happened, you know, when she was uh, not cleaning the room, like she was supposed to clean. So helping to identify that unnecessary action. And then, and then I'm going to teach self-hypnosis and how you can use self-hypnosis in your own time to, to begin communicating effectively to your subconscious mind.
1: And I some- love self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love because of you. Um, This is amazing. So sub- if you want to come into this um, masterclass, Uh, just DM us subconscious sobriety workshop. There you go. There's the name. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll get you in and and we'll just continue this conversation and, uh, cannot wait, cannot wait. So thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope that you got so much out of it. I hope you, I took so many notes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I hope that really jumpstarts all of the good things for your life um, and if you enjoy this episode, of course, um, please share it with anyone, your family. I think this is a really powerful tool that we can um, we, we can gift others as well, um, not just in sobriety. I think this is great conversations to have in general. So please share that with your friends uh, on your social media at Two Sober Girls Podcast. And Joe, tell us every tell everybody where they can find you and perhaps like book some sessions with you and all of the things.
2: They can contact me at habitarchitects.com or email me at Joe at
1: com. Beautiful. And we'll have that linked in the show notes for easy access. And um amazing. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. John.
2: Thank you.